Welcome to What Happens Off Screen, a podcast that dives into the human side of what happens behind the scenes of the creator economy. The entire industry is built on relationships. Relationships between brands and creators, creators and their audience, service providers and clients, and on and on and on. This is not just a podcast about ROI or best practices. It's about what it's really like to be in the thick of this explosive industry, highlighting a range of perspectives and helping creators, marketers, service providers, and folks who are just generally interested in how it all works learn from each other. My name is Meredith Jacobson, and 2024 marks my 10-year anniversary working in the creator space. I run a business called Offscreen Resources, where I place freelancers with gigs and full-time professionals with new jobs. Each episode, I will be joined by a guest in the creator economy, from C-suite executives, boots-on-the-ground campaign managers, brand marketers, creators, and everyone in between. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Greg Alliger. Greg was my former boss and colleague at Branded Entertainment Network, which is now known as Ben Labs. At the time, it was an agency that focused on product placement across film, TV, OTT, and influencer. When I joined there, the influencer team was still relatively new, so my job was to work closely with the sales team to help educate brands about all of the ways in which they could partner with influencers. Then I would work with Greg to make sure that the execution team understood exactly what it was that we had sold. I wanted to bring Greg onto the podcast because he has a really strong sense of what's fair in creator partnerships, and he understands what creators want, even though he's never worked on the talent management side of business. In this episode, we talk about how he thinks about creating valuable partnerships in his current role at The Ridge and some of his philosophies about what makes partnerships fair. Greg is just an all-around great guy, and I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Greg. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm stoked to be here. I would love for you to tell the world what you do. How did you get into the creator economy? So if we go way back, getting into influencer space was my backup internship. It was like I was after college, I was applying to all these huge big kid jobs that I thought I could easily get for some reason. And like all these big internships, these massive companies like NFL and Visa and all this stuff, just like like applying through the website. And I was like, I'll get one of these. And I definitely didn't. And so I kind of panicked. And my brother said he knew someone who worked at this like boutique influencer marketing company who did, you know, the way he described to me was like ads on YouTube. But uh, it took me forever to wrap my head around it. And I joined and that was back in 2014. And started doing influencer marketing and realized, hey, this is awesome. That company grew and I stayed there as a little agency for seven years and then decided I want to go brand side and found Ridge. And now I'm doing influencer marketing brand side. And what's what's Ridge? We make men's accessories and travel line now. So wallets were most known for the Ridge wallet. Uh, We just launched a travel line, but ultra slim minimalist wallets. Or how we're most known. I am a user of a burnt titanium Ridge wallet. The burnt titanium is and beautiful. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious to start then, you know, obviously you've spent many years on the agency side and now how many years have you been with Ridge? I've been at Ridge coming up on three years. Three years. So 
like coming from both sides now, you've managed creator relationships as part of an agency and then as part of the brand. Have you noticed any of the differences between the dynamics of like what it's like approaching talent from the brand side versus the agency side? There are differences. I think it's definitely easier from a brand side in some aspects. And I'll say, I think there's something a little more special when you're a creator, when you're talking to a brand directly versus an agency, especially if you're not familiar with the agency. So there's like that little advantage there of like, uh, I feel like it can be a little more personal, a little bit less transactional. It's like, hey, I, I love your content. You know, we're the brand. Let's work together. Whereas when you're an agency, it's like, hey, the client loves your <laughs> loves your content. Like, like, it's just harder. It's adding someone else in the middle. And I totally understand the need for agencies. They do something, you know, that brands can't always do in-house. But I feel like it is a little more personal when you're talking to the creator as a brand. And I feel like, I can be more transparent about campaigns and objectives and performance, and I can offer out you know tons of free product. Whereas when I was at the agency, I, I couldn't necessarily do everything on behalf of my brand clients. So, like I, I couldn't share performance. You know, there were certain limitations I had, which I don't have now, which is very liberating. Like I can just tell someone exactly how they did, how many dollars they drove, where you know we couldn't do that before. I feel like that's that's an empowering position to be in. You know, sometimes when you're on the agency side, it's like both the brand and the creator side of things, you're in a position to mitigate between both of them. But when you're truly on the brand side, you have like such clarity of like what your goals are exactly to your point and what you're able to offer. And so I guess I'd love to hear what your program looks like and how you go about like approaching influencers. So like we love influencers at Ridge. Like they're such an important asset and like definitely there's the performance piece. That's probably the bread and butter is driving sales, giving them tracking links, coupon codes, watching their performance. But then there's also just the content that comes out of it. That's we reshare across uh, oftentimes across paid media or the organic social teams to just like help spread the awareness. Like when we launched travel, that was a huge deal. That was like, Hey, let's get the word out. It's a new category. Like it's, we got to educate the world. And so in like, what better way than influencers? We allocated a huge chunk of budget to influencers to help kick off launch of our travel line and it's doing really well. That's awesome. Yeah. I think part of why I wanted to bring you on is because you do understand those nuances. And there are a lot of brands out there who get very frustrated with creators because they're only looking for that performance piece. And they're complaining about the cost of influencers and complaining (laughs) about the effort. And I think you've been able to sort of contextualize what works specifically for your business and be somewhat unemotional about it, which I think is the right way that brands should approach it. And so I am curious, would you be willing to share a play-by-play of how you envision a best case scenario in terms of negotiating to sort of get what you want out of your partnerships? I mean, ultimately first, like I need to understand the goals on my side. Like, is this more awareness? Is this more performance? So our program is not too special or crazy, but we have our group of like VIP creators who are long-term partners, uh, who we do like year-long, quarter-long deals with. And then we have our like new outreach, like new creators we're reaching out to. So for the sake of like new outreach, new people we're talking to, typically we'll look at a, a lot of things to determine 
rate and what we want to offer them. So it's important to us that I can run a test with someone that's pretty low risk, and then I can bring them into the VIP program and offer them a long-term deal. I found that creators like, you know, they don't know what next month brings. They don't know what next week brings. So if you can offer them some type of stability, like, Hey, I want to work with you. I want to do something long-term. I want to create an actual relationship with you, a partnership, not just a one-off deal. That's often, that's what they're looking for. And that's what we're looking for. Like, why, why wouldn't we? So leveraging that and just kind of, you know, explaining my goals up front and, you know, Hey, I'm looking to do a test. I don't like to spend a lot of money on tests. Let's, let's do a test. And if it works well, I can up the budget. You know, I'll tell you exactly how you performed and let's book something longer term. For your initial test campaigns, how do you decide balancing usage, exclusivity, fee, all of that? How do you decide what's fair for that initial test? So yeah, for the initial test, I'm like, I'm, I'm not interested in rights, exclusivity, like all that will come when I get them in my program. So I, I'm trying to make the package like as bare bone as it can be. Like, let's just give you like one deliverable or maybe two, like sometimes we'll do a bundle, like let's do two videos because I also understand one video isn't enough to test. So typically we test over like two or three videos and sometimes over different like pulse points. And what I look at is just like a pretty low aggressive CPM but with the mindset of a long-term partnership. I take into consideration how often they post. I take into consideration how long their content is. I take into consideration you know, where we want the sponsorship to be, like everything. Because all, all that engagement, like all that plays into how I think the video will perform. So if someone posts daily, longer form content, it's like one of my key groups I'm looking for, then I'm definitely willing to pay them more for an initial test because I'm pretty confident it's going to perform well. I love that. I love that. I think yeah. that's that's the key is the communication piece. And it sounds yeah. like because you are on the brand side and you do have a grasp of what your both short and long-term plans are, you're able to make those offers. I'm curious though, in a situation where you have not been able to offer somebody a long-term partnership, have they you know, have you had situations where they've come back to you and, and have been upset? And how have you handled that? No one's really been upset. Like, I kind of feel like transparency is is so important. Like, I'll send people screenshots of their performance, like straight out of Shopify or straight out of Google Analytics. Like, hey, like, I'm sorry. Like, look, you only drove, you know, 13 clicks. Like, this doesn't make sense for us to keep paying you. But like uh, most people are pretty understanding. I feel like when you show them numbers and just say like, hey, you know, unfortunately this doesn't make sense for us to continue, but like, let's keep in contact. And, and sometimes they'll reach out, they'll have a big video coming up or something different and we'll look at sponsoring them again. Or, you know, maybe it's a new line, maybe travel line performs better or rings or something else and we'll test it out. So I guess this is a question I have for you, yeah. Meredith. This is a dilemma I'm having right now, which plays into this. There's a fairly large influencer that we paid a pretty good chunk of change to, to post for our holiday campaign. And he like, he underperformed significantly, not just from a return on ad spend perspective, but his clicks are super low. His views are way lower than his average. And we reached out kind of being like, Hey, you guys, you know, here's everything. We gave them their clicks, their click through rate. We looked at their views compared to their averages and said, Hey, this video is like 60% of what your videos normally get. Is there anything you guys can do to help help us out here. And they're just basically saying no. What What are your thoughts? How would you react to that? 
So my first question for you is, did you leave it open-ended or did you ask them specifically for something? With Typically with bigger creators, I try to leave a little more open-ended. Like, here's your performance. Here's what we were expecting. Is there anything you're willing to do? And kind of hope that they'd be willing to mention us another video or throw the link or do an Instagram, do anything. And their, mm-hmm. their response is basically, it'll keep getting conversions with time. But like, it's been live for three weeks. Well, I mean, my next question is, were you reaching out over email or did you get on a phone call? All over email so far. Okay. So I think the first step is to see if you can get the agent or the creator on a phone call and just give them, I mean, the nice thing is that you already are being very transparent with them. I think it, first of all, it's deciding internally what, what do you see in terms of your long-term relationship with that creator? It's like, is this someone that if they are willing to do something, you'd want to work with them again in 2024? Totally. And you know, the question is, if the answer is yes, then you could explain that to the manager. Like, look, you know, we allocated this for this campaign and we'd love to work with you again because of past performance. We think you're a really good fit for the brand and the budgets that we're looking for in 2024, like in order to accommodate the same budget again, you know, we are not going to be able to justify it without any added value. And so then you could try saying, if you're willing to add a couple of Instagram stories or something that's low lift for them, yeah, then you could see if there's a middle ground by being more specific about what it is exactly it will take for you guys to feel good about it. That could be a good next step. I like that. That's, that's kind of the plan. Yeah. I think the most important piece of it is the respectful and transparent side of communication because often I see people quickly going on the offensive or the defensive and they immediately, you know, referring to the contract can be helpful as a tool when you're dealing with someone who's adamant and if there's a breach. But more often than not, talking through the issues from the more personal side and like not, cause I think people get a little bit like keyword, keyword warrior, keyboard warrior <laughs> on oh, yeah. email. And I think managers are working on so many deals at once that they might not think as closely about an email asking for more work than as a conversation. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's the vibe is just trying to view it collaboratively and thinking about what they want to. So if their priority right now, like if in their mind, this partnership is in the rear view, it's like re realigning it so that they understand that this is actually a condition of future money that they have not earned yet. But it pains me when agents and creators don't see that and they're so fixated on the short term. So I I told my team, it's like, Hey, let's just make sure like when we're doing these big deals, like upfront, let's just start mentioning like, Hey, based on what we say on your channel, like this is what we expect. Cause I feel like that's going to help us, you know, if someone underperforms, which doesn't happen often, but when they do, we gives us a little more leverage, like, Hey, you're falling a little short, you know? And then just like you said, stressing uh, a long-term partnership, working with them again, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I will say that from the creator's point of view, there are so many factors that could potentially affect the performance of the video and and be part of the reason why it's not performing. And so, you know, I think that it's, 
it's valid for creators and managers to feel a little skittish when they see messaging like that, recognizing that they're balancing a million things, you're balancing a million things. And it's about whether or not you can find a middle ground that's going to work that is manageable for them with everything else that they're doing and still helps you get a little bit closer to where you need to be. That's a good lens to keep in mind. I got a, I got a good one I want to talk about. Um, okay, go for it. It's just something I'm very passionate about. And, and, and I want to get your take too. This is more brand focused, but uh, I've done some consulting. I've talked to different brands and so many brands when they're starting doing influencer, they kind of expect results quickly. And what I've had to educate a lot of brands on is like, hey, basically what you're doing when you're starting this program is like, you know, yes, you're looking for the top performers, but you're also building this like wave of creators that are, you know, you're building your essentially the VIP program that we have right now that we've built over five years. But it's like, that doesn't just come all at once. And it might take you 50 K, you know, of testing channels to find, and this is mainly with performance, by the way, but it may take you 50 K of channels that don't really convert to find, you know, one channel that works really well. And you're going to realize that one channel in a year drove you, you know, 250 K in revenue. And so, so many people get fixated on the 50K spend that just like flopped. And they're like, this sucks. Influencer sucks. It's not working for me. It's not working for my brand. And it's like, no, like you're trying to build your own VIPs. Like you're trying to find these long-term partners. Like we have a partner that's brought in, you know, well over a million dollars in attributable revenue. And it's like, if it took me 50K to find that channel, like how worth it is that? Like, that's amazing. But I feel like so many brands get just, hung up on like, oh, I'm just like losing money. This, this just isn't it. And it's like, dude, starting from the beginning is like the hardest thing to do with influencer because you got to start building this like program of channels that are going to drive you revenue. Where I've netted out in terms of building an influencer program from day one is it's different for every company and it, it just comes sure. down to what are the resources that they're comfortable using to test and what are the win conditions. And then, like you said, legitimately figuring out whether it or not it is a viable channel. Um, and usually it is a viable channel. It's just a question of how, right? It's like which value yeah. prop does influencers best serve our company? And that's the thing that takes a lot of testing and learning. However, since I promised the world that this is not a podcast about ROI, I would love to know, <laughs> are there creators that, like this creator that you just talked about, what is your relationship like or your team's relationship like with this creator? Is there anything interesting about that or is it pretty like business focused? We try to make it like way deeper than just transactional. So we're, we're constantly checking in with their team. I sat down with them one time and was like, Hey, is there any like, you know, special projects like you guys want to do that you haven't had the budget for? And like, we could potentially sponsor that, like help you guys do it. Because I feel like at some point, yeah, the ROI is great, but it's also like, I view influencers like literally an extension of our team, like their production, their distribution, their everything. So I want them to be having a good time. I want them to like working with us. I want the relationship to be there. So yeah, we've extended way beyond just content with them. Were there any specific examples of like a specific incident that came to mind where the creator through a conversation you thought of like, oh, this is an in-person activation that we could bring this person to because they're like already expressed an interest or this is an initiative yeah. that through the one-off partnership we learned about and supported and ended up being super mutually beneficial. 
Kind of. Maybe this goes off course, but this is the one that first came to mind. And I'll totally name drop him too. But Wildcat, his name's Tyler, amazing gaming creator. Did a lot of activations with him with different gaming clients and just got to know him and just got to understand him and what he likes. And all he posts is gaming content. It's just all gameplay. Like sometimes there's camera on, sometimes not. But found out he's like way into cars. Like he loves cars. He loves performance cars. And so then, yeah, we, we did a project with this agency for a car video game. And part of it was they get a driver on Miami in exotic cars. And I was like, guys, we got to get Tyler. Like, this is perfect. Like he loves cars. Like this is going to be great. I know he mainly posts, you know, shooting type content, but I know he loves cars. Like he's going to love rolling in Lamborghini, Ferrari for a day. And he did. And it was awesome. And it was great content. But then coming to Ridge, we were doing this big car giveaway and we wanted people who were like familiar with cars and passionate about cars to like actually film with this car. This like $150,000 Bronco we were giving away. And so I called up Tyler and was like, Tyler, we're giving away this awesome car. Like we want you to see it and check it out. So flew him out to Utah where we had the the Bronco and he just like got a shred, take it off road, you know, take it all around, like drive it up in the mountains and just had a blast. But you would have never known like if my CMO was looking at channels and saw his channel, he'd be like, no, why is this guy doing the, the, why is he helping with the Bronco giveaway? Like, this is silly, but it's like, no, 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 no. He's awesome. Like got to help explain, like he's way into cars. Like it's going to be amazing content. And it was, and he performed really well. I love that. That's exactly what I was looking for. Okay, good. I was like, I I don't know if that's, (laughs) but it worked out awesome. Uh, I love the guy. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It was so much fun to talk to you as always. And I look forward to you coming back sometime soon. Thank you so much for having me. Always happy to talk about influencers and always love catching up. So thanks so much. Well, that's all for this episode of What Happens Off Screen. Be sure to rate, like, and subscribe to What Happens Off Screen wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I'm Meredith Jacobson, and I've got to go speak to an attorney about updating my LLC.